Dina warned me I better be nice. So I said, she is an A and Bob is an okay. She said, that works. So praise God, praise God, amen. It is always an honor and a privilege to be able to speak at Christian Life Church. I was your, I was the pastor here for about 27 and a half years. And I always look forward to the opportunity to minister each week. And uh, of course, since I have retired, we've had uh, several opportunities to share with you. Uh, many of you do not know me at all because I see a lot of new faces. I see a lot of uh, familiar faces, but it is always a privilege. And, I, and it's especially a privilege to be able to come for a pastor's appreciation. And uh, I... I Bob, you already look like me on Pastor's Appreciation. He's staring at his shoes. <laughs> you know. This is a wonderful and embarrassing day for, for a pastor. But we have a great pastoral team and a great pastors, uh, Bob and Dina both. Can you say amen? Amen. I'm going to get right into the word. And uh, so I brought... 20 translations of the Bible. <laughs> but I think most of you could probably quote what I have chosen, what the Lord has laid on my heart as a text, because it's probably the most familiar verse of Bible besides Jesus wept that there is in Scripture. John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Father, I am nothing. I have no ability to bless these people in any way whatsoever without your anointing. And so we pray for your anointing to help us this day to share your heart and your truths with your people. I thank you for all that's already been accomplished in this service and for the lives that have been touched and changed in the name of Jesus. I pray continue to do your thing, your work, and we will give you all the praise. We love you with all of our heart. Amen and amen. I hope all of you had a great Thanksgiving holiday. This is Thanksgiving holiday weekend. And so I'm thinking, you know, this is a special occasion because it's Pastor's Appreciation and it's a holiday weekend. That makes it a special occasion. And, uh, and so in prayer and in seeking the Lord, uh, I came to the realization that we as a church not only give thanks to God, but we give thanks to our leadership. Can you say amen? Thanksgiving has always been one of my favorite holidays and uh, it's not because I like to eat. It is, I do like to eat. But Thanksgiving was always a great holiday, and it wasn't the turkey, it wasn't the dressing, it wasn't the mashed potatoes, it wasn't the gravy, it wasn't the buttered corn. Are you getting hungry yet? You probably are, unless you're tired of leftovers. It wasn't the green beans, it wasn't the candied sweet potatoes, which by the way, my mother in heaven made sweet potatoes like nobody else on earth, and no one's been able to match it, but it was heavenly then, amen. Uh, some of you like cranberry relish. I hope you like deviled eggs. We cast the devil out of them and then we eat them and they are always good. But that isn't why Thanksgiving was my favorite holiday. Oh, and, and we haven't even got to the desserts, you know. 
uh, pumpkin pie, apple pie, cherry pie, uh, uh, fudge, cakes, cookies. Mm. I mean, good stuff to eat. And we stuff ourselves with stuff for the Thanksgiving holiday. But that was not the reason it was my favorite holiday either. Usually after dinner, all of the males would go into the living room to watch either Dallas or Detroit or both play football. And I was tired of both of those teams. But, uh, but us and my sister, Catherine, I had one sister uh, out of the bunch that liked football. So Catherine and the rest of the guys are in the living room watching football games while the women are in the kitchen doing whatever women do in the kitchen on Thanksgiving Day because we never went in there until it was halftime and ready for snacks again. The joy of Thanksgiving, however, for me was the family, the extended family for us. Gathering together, 50 to 75 people generally, filling a farmhouse. And we laughed, and we told stories, and we teased one another. Occasionally, some of the young ones would even roughhouse just a little bit. But it was the family being together that made it so special. It was a celebration of how blessed we were to have each It was not about presence because that was Christmas time. It was more about our presence being there because we were reminded of how blessed we were. I had four brothers and four sisters. I was the seventh of nine children. I'm glad abortion was not a big deal and it wouldn't have been with my mother anyway. She actually raised 14 children. And because of that, we had lots of cousins and, and, uh, that would come over and we would just spend the day celebrating the faithfulness of God, but also our faithfulness to each other. I mean, we didn't get together and have a fight like some families do. We get together and had a riot because we were all uh, playing and, and sharing with each other and encouraging one another. And it was an awesome time. And the foundation of our Thanksgiving was mom and dad, who are two of the most selfless, sacrificial people I've ever met in my life. I mean, my mother raised 14 kids while working a full-time job in that entire time. Her day would start at 5 in the morning and end at midnight. And she did that forever. When she retired, I said, Mom, are you sleeping more now? And she said, Oh, yeah, I'm getting five or six hours now. Oh, my goodness. But it was their faithfulness because of their commitment to Christ and to their family that enabled us to come together and celebrate the faithfulness of God. Our foundation was our parents. One of the core values of Christian Life Church is we give up things we love for things we love even more. I love that value. I wish I'd have thought of it when I was pastoring. I love it. I love it. Because actually, that's how families should be. That's how life should be. That's how churches should be. That motto describes how family relationships are supposed to work. Marriage is a proposition where two people give up their freedom and independence in life for the connection and intimacy of married life. 
And as a young man, I learned very quickly, my wife wasn't going to be happy if there wasn't some intimacy on an emotional level in our relationship. And guys, if you haven't figured out how to get along with your wife yet, remember, she desires emotional intimacy from you, which means that you've got to open your ear and listen whether you feel like it or not. And allow her to express herself. But even that's not going to be enough. No, she's going to force you into a corner and say, now you tell me what's going on in your heart and in in your life. And you have to try to come up with something, you know, that you think will be acceptable. Both parties must choose to sacrifice personal interests for the benefit of each other and for the family. And my parents did that very well. Life is full of choices. It is estimated that every average person makes about 35,000 choices each day. Now, that's if you're not on drugs. I mean, it's difficult to even imagine, but we do. We make those choices and those decisions constantly throughout the day. I'm glad you chose to get out of bed and come to church today, even though it's a cold, rainy morning. Marriages or families don't survive where selfish motives continue to strive. Hello? Yeah. Yeah, it's me preaching. The word sometimes is tough, isn't it? Wholesome, healthy intimacy comes from a place of sacrificial, selfish devotion and connection where people decide to love, honor, and respect each other day after day after day. There's a reason why the Bible says that men are to love their wives more than themselves or as much as themselves at least, if not more. And there's a reason why the Bible says women love your husbands by respecting them and honoring them. Because truly Thanksgiving should be a time of thanking God for our husbands and wives and our children and and grandchildren and for our great. By the way, we just had our first great grandchild. Amen. Amen. For years, I've been telling people all of my grandchildren are great. But now I got a great, great grandchild, and she is awesome. Her name is Paisley, and I've been told that Paisley means house of worship. She was born into the right house because they are a family of worshipers. Hallelujah. Personal sacrifice for the benefit of others is the exact definition of what agape love is. In John, when it says, for God so loved the world, he was describing the love that God has for us. And though it's impossible for us to completely understand that, God loves us more than he loves himself, which is why he gave his son for us. It is a willingness to do what is in someone else's best interest because you choose to do so, and may I add, without regret. Nobody wants you to bless them And then you have to suck up to them for the rest of your life. (laughs) No. It's sacrificing without regret because we want what is in their best interests. And agape love is what is best for someone else regardless of the personal cost. 
When children see this value in their parents, it creates a stability and unity that binds that family together. Hallelujah. No, it doesn't mean husbands and wives don't fuss with each other every once in a while. But it doesn't last long because we're committed to that intimacy. Hello? I saw it in my parents. I tried to demonstrate it in my own home with my children. When we choose to serve God, to love God, I could say, obedience to God often requires us to give up things we love for things we love even more. That is the message of John 3, 16 and 17. God chose to give up his son for us so that we could live with him and his son forever. God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. I love verse 17 as much as verse 16. He didn't come into the world to condemn the world. (laughs) If you haven't figured it out yet, there's a bunch of broken Christians in this church. In fact, every one of us are broken in some way or another. And though God is a holy God, he shed his blood as a sacrifice for us because we need him every single day to help us overcome our flesh and our carnal nature. He died to save us. I think we often forget that Jesus' sacrifice was more than a momentary suffering on Calvary as as awesome or as terrible, depending on your perspective, as it was. He did more than die on the cross. He ascended into the death of hell itself to take the keys of death, hell, and the grave. (laughs) Amen? He paid that price but he loved us so much he did even more than that because you see Jesus was the eternal invisible omnipresent almighty God until that birthday we're going to celebrate in another month he came in human flesh human form and after he was raised from the dead He didn't go back to being God the Spirit. No, no, no. He has committed to us. We are his betrothed. Somebody say amen. Going to be a wedding one day. Hallelujah. We are his betrothed. And he chose to stay stay in human form. The scars of Calvary he still bears to this day. The angels of heaven look And he's still the eternal almighty God, but he's not the invisible God. He's at the right hand of the Father and he's making intercession for us and he's coming back for us and we shall see him as he is when he comes. Somebody say amen. I mean, what a commitment that he made. He will always be the love of our lives because of his love for our lives. He is in human form in heaven, bearing the scars of crucifixion until the opportunity act for us. And while he's in heaven, he's preparing things for us and he's interceding for our every need. Now, theoretically, obedience to an all-loving God should be easy. Unfortunately, our fleshly nature 
sometimes gets in the way because we don't always like what God's will is. Honest? Amen. I've heard many pastors remark that pastoring is the hardest job you'll ever love. I'm sure that parenting is the hardest job you'll ever love. And to be successful as a pastor, you actually have to become like a parent. It takes more than loving people. It takes making difficult decisions because the people we love do not always know what is in their best interests. If you have children, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We don't quit loving them when they, quote, mess up. But it frustrates us and it hurts us because we want what is best for them and they don't always know what is best for them. I gotta, I gotta tell you something. I don't always know what's best for me. I know that because some things I prayed for, God didn't give me. And it's not because he was mad at me and it's not because I wasn't good enough because he's never, he's never angry with me if I'm doing what is right, but I can never do enough to earn privilege with him. Now, sometimes he doesn't answer prayer the way that I want because it's not in my eternal best interest. Remember in Romans 8, 28, it says, for all things will work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So I have to understand that when God doesn't answer the prayer prayer the way I want it answered, it's because he knows things I don't know. He understands things I don't understand. And he's always not only working for my good, but for everyone else's good. I learned that sometimes when I'm going through a tough time, it's not even for my benefit, it's for somebody else's benefit. But I have to give up some things because I love other things and I have to suffer sometimes so that others do not suffer. And as a parent, we understand that. When one of my sisters was dying of cancer, my mother just looked at me and she said, I would be willing to die for her. I said, Mom, I know you would, but somebody already has. You don't have to die. She had more grandchildren to raise up. And it's important that we understand that. Delay is not denial. And denial is only because it's in our best interest. And that's a tough job to convince your children of that when you're a parent. Well, I have to tell you, it's a tough job as a pastor too. You know, when I started pastoring here, I was 39 years old. You know. At least half the congregation was older than me. Many of them were smarter than me. A few of them probably knew the Bible as well as I did. But God put me in charge. God called me. He saw something in me. I, I think to this day, it's just faithfulness. But I had to become everybody's parent. You talk about giving up something you love. <laughs> we have pastors here who grew up in this church and had personal relationships with many of you here. And it may be difficult for some of you to understand that when they became pastors, that relationship had to change to some degree because they're not just your friend now having a good time with you. They're a spiritual parent who has to look out for you. 
and care for you and love you and minister to you and be faithful to God for you. So that relationship had to change. He's not Bobby anymore. He's Pastor Bob. I don't know if Dina's changed at all because she's always so sweet. But even in her sweetness, she could speak truth. She was like that as a teenager, you know. (laughs) Was that a sister? (laughs) A mom, okay. I understand. I get it. But relationships change when you go into leadership. And some people don't always understand that. Now, I haven't heard anyone say it. I honestly have not heard anyone say it. But in my imagination, I'm sure there's some people, that's not the same Bob I knew. Thank God it's not the same Bob you knew growing up. He's now a man of God. When I first met him, he was barely a Christian. But God knew what he was doing. Hello? Amen. Making the right decisions may be difficult because your children don't always share the same perspective, even if they have the same values. And that's a tough one. Because in the church, we can all have the same values and still have different opinions on things and perspectives on things. And we have to trust that the man and woman in charge are in charge because God put them there, you know. Pastor Bob was actually older than I was when he became the pastor of this church. Someone said, he's so young. I said, I was 39. Oh, I guess I looked older than that when I came here, you know. But God lays an anointing upon his leadership and things change, you know. I don't know how it was for Moses when he was still living in Pharaoh's household. But when God called him to be a leader, things changed dramatically. Hello? I mean, absolutely things changed in his life. Pastor Evangelist Bill Lee preached a message recently that I heard and he, the title of the message was the other part and that so intrigued me I wanted to hear the message so I listened to it it was from Exodus chapter 3 he preached about Moses leading God's people out of Egypt and into the promised land of Canaan or that was his call we've all read the miracles God performed to force Pharaoh to release God's people from their servitude and slavery in Egypt It was miracle after miracle after miracle until God finally rolled back the Red Sea and they miraculously walked across on dry land. But Pastor Lee said getting the people out of Egypt was much easier than getting Egypt out of the people because after every miracle they had seen, They got out there in the wilderness and began to complain and say, I want to go back to Egypt. Want to go back to slavery? 
to servitude. A 40-year struggle endured. (laughs) The devil will always want you to go back. Sometimes friends will want you to go back. Sometimes family will want you to go back. But we give up things we love for things that we love even more. And and actually, some of that stuff we never even loved. It was just junk we were processing through. But it's important that we understand. We want freedom from slavery while still enjoying the fruits of bondage. Didn't get an amen, but I got a wow. Let me say that again, give you another chance. Sadly, many parishioners want freedom from slavery while still enjoying the fruits of bondage. And it doesn't work that way. Because it's our obedience to God that allows the blessings to flow into our lives. It's not that he doesn't want to bless us, but sometimes he can't because we keep getting in the road. And a pastor's job is to share that function. And when you assume leadership, then you're not just responsible to the people. You're responsible to God. I have preached a lot of hard messages over my life. In fact, even after I was retired, I went back and looked at some of my PowerPoints, and I'm going, ooh, ow, mm. Now, you know, and I know that a lot of those messages was because God was still trying to get me in the right position and in the right place, getting me to mature and to grow up and to see from his perspective. And that's how it is in leadership. Yeah. You can't be everybody's best friend if you're going to be a leader. In fact, you may not be able to be anybody's best friend when you're a leader because you have to depend on the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes even our best friends have fleshly motivations and desires. And, and, and you can admit or not admit it, but it's true. We all do from time to time. Our fleshly nature causes us to think about ourselves and how everything's going to affect us. I remember when I came here, we had a Christian school. And I didn't, I didn't realize till several weeks into the school year that I was actually in charge. <laughs> Debbie Mullins came into my office one day and was saying, you need to do something about this. I said, I thought you were in charge. I was just a figurehead. No, you're in charge. I said, is that why I went to school in Conneaut for a whole week? But I learned quickly that you can't have knee-jerk reactions to anything because fixing one problem can cause another problem. And trying to satisfy the person who wants you to fix this problem, you, you as a leader look and have to look over the whole situation and sometimes you're a little bit slow from their vantage point because you're trying to figure out now if I, if I you know, it's, what's that game? Will you pull the things out and hope everything doesn't fall over? Jaga? Jaka. Whatever. You're not saying Jaden, so that's okay. That's a granddaughter. Sometimes it's like that. 
where you'd like to pull that thing out, but you have to realize if I do that, there's, there are other consequences involved. And so as much as I love everybody, I can't please everybody, but I have to please God or I can't be in leadership. I can't be the man unless I'm willing to be the servant of a living God who enables us to be fruitful. Hallelujah. As a pastor, I saw many delivered people want to go back to Egypt. I saw some go back to Egypt. Some left and it broke my heart. Pastors never feel like it's a good thing when people leave the church. You know, and there's always someone to say, well, you know, it's addition by subtraction. You know, well, that, that doesn't change your heart. Not if you love those people. Well, if you love them, you would treat them better. No, if you love them, you will do what is right and be an example to them and honor the Lord just as my parents were an example to us after they were both saved and serving the Lord. Some people depart for the safety of another flock. Others leave because they never got the Egyptian heart taken care of. And so they go back to things that God had delivered them from already. There are some who simply disappear. Kind of like chorus folks in number 16 and 32, it's as though the ground opened up and swallowed them. You don't know what happened to them. They're just, they're gone. You know. and, I, and I know I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway because I'm not the pastor. <laughs> when people leave the church, it's rare indeed if somebody doesn't check up on them, but you always get that. Nobody visited me or came or called or texted me. And 99% and of the time, it's a lie. Because I had visited some of them, texted some of them, and called some of them. So they can't say nobody unless I'm pastor nobody. You know what I discovered? When a younger brother divorced his wife after 19 years, and he said there was nothing ever good in that marriage, I came to the realization that when you close your heart to someone, you don't remember any good things. You only remember the bad things. Hey, I'm, I'm trying to save a marriage here this morning, I guess. That's what God put on my heart. So if I save a marriage, <laughs> it's easy to remember bad things when you're, when you're hurt, when you're wounded, when you're, when you're bitter, or, or, or just when you have that lack of intimacy that, that allows you to forgive one another and move on. God, help us. The truth is, we... Our human nature is to forget the good and focus on the negative. <laughs> but the truth is, if you're in leadership, you have to love everyone. Whether you can love them the way they want to be loved or not is a different story. But you have to love them because God's holding you accountable. To be their shepherd. And although shepherds comfort sheep, they also protect sheep and they challenge sheep. And their goal is to 
get the sheep to the right place for their own good and protection. Giving up the things we love for things we love even more is a daily commitment of a pastor. When Bob and Dina made the decision to become candidates for the lead pastor of Christian Life Church, they knew this would be their reality because I told them for like two years. And as much as they loved the relationships they had in this church from their entire lives, they knew that those relationships would change when you're in the role of leadership. And although they cherish every one of us in the years of friendship we've all mutually shared together, their role has forced them into a spiritually parental type of role. As pastors, they must view us, regardless of age, as spiritual children that they must care for and disciple even when we don't like it. They sacrifice their own personal interests and comforts for the benefit of the people that God brings into their flock. They lovingly preach hard truths. Been a few times when both of you have been preaching that I... You know, I'm saying amen, but I wanted to just jump up and scream amen. Because when you're preaching hard truths, very few people want to say amen. You know. But those hard truths have to be shared if you love people. You don't let someone drive over a cliff without saying, stop! Stop, there's a cliff there! You may not see it because you're in a mental fog, but there's a cliff there. I'm trying to protect you. That is what pastors do. And they sacrifice their own comfort. Just like Bob's doing right now. Because he's not comfortable. The parent's role is the same as a pastor's role. And we have pastors and Pastor Bob and Dina who love us more than they love themselves. And that's the truth. Because they would not be doing what they're doing if they didn't love us more than they love themselves. Because you sacrifice things you love for things you love even more more and they're doing their very best to lead us into the promised land what's the promised land (laughs) how many times as a parent do we look at our children and say i just want you to fulfill your greatest potential heart fulfilling the potential that god put in you when he created you that's what they want It's not a physical place. It's you being in such harmony with the Lord that you are walking in God's footsteps, being what he's called you to be for your benefit, for your family's benefit, and for the benefit of the communities that he places us in. I don't know about you, but on this Thanksgiving weekend, I want to declare, I love my pastors. I love Pastor Bob. 
I love Pastor Dina. And I am so thankful that they have agape hearts. And that should mean so much to you. If God led you here, it's because he knew you needed their leadership. So don't question the leadership. Pray for the leadership. Because they daily, you make 35,000 choices a day, they probably make 45,000. Because every choice and decision they make affects all of us and who we are. That's why you cannot live and go without praying and seeking the Lord. And we are blessed. Amen. Amen. Thank you.